0: You're listening to the Coms Risk Podcast.
1: Hello, I'm Dan Baker, and I'm your moderator and co host for episode 25 of the Coms Risk Podcast. I'm the research director of Technology Research Institute and editor of the Black Swan Journal. I go back a few years with Eric Prieskans, of course, the editor of Coms Risk, and he's my co-host in this podcast, and we're going to do a deep dive in a very vital uh, subset of revenue assurance today, namely test call generators, and two experts from CGOS are joining Eric and I for this discussion. First is Stefan Oftring, who's the revenue assurance manager and heads up the complete RA solution, product management, marketing, sales, and service delivery. And our second guest is Paul Leah, uh, business development director there at CGOS, who is trained as an engineer, but he also has a deep background in corporate sales, financial services. He spent many years identifying billing errors uh, in large uh, mobile phone bills. And Eric, I, I know this, this subject here is very close to your heart, and you've had a lot of experience working in the area of Revenue Assurance, we know in this corner of Revenue Assurance, what's your perspective?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, test call generators is something that, um, well, I've um, encouraged others to use test call generators. I've been a manager responsible uh, in both T-Mobile and cable and wireless for using test call generators. But the thing that really stinks in my mind is that 10, 15 years ago, there was a very there was a great possibility that revenue assurance would have looked very different and that test code generators would have been used a lot more widely and a lot more actively to do revenue assurance around the world. And that hasn't really come to pass. It hasn't been as popular as I and other people might have thought it would have been. So for me I was really keen to talk to the Cygos guys about, you know, their view of the market, their view of the evolution of the market. And to talk about what it is that you know needs to be done differently in terms of promotion and propositions to attract people to use test code generators when the basic technique is sound, but nevertheless the market hasn't always been that keen on the technique up to now. Okay, let's get into the interview. Now, Paul, Stefan, I really appreciate your time here today. And I think you know in advance you're gonna get some hard questions from me. So We're looking forward to it, Eric. <laughs> I'm glad that's the right attitude to have. <laughs> you wouldn't be on, I guess, if you, didn't have the, if you didn't have that attitude. Now, let me say a few things about test call generators and let's get them out of the way. Test call generators, for revenue assurance, people should be using them. And they don't use them as much as they should. Why should people use them? Number one, they are a technique. They provide technique. They provide assurance that can't be gained any other way for certain aspects of revenue assurance. In particular, when you have an event that's chargeable, you can compare data from one source to another source. But what is your comparison for the initial output of data, the initial capture of the event that's taken place? And that's something that a lot of revenue assurance professionals um, overlook. And it's, a, and it's an area where test code generators are a technique that closes that gap. And it's an important gap that should be closed. Number two, we live in a world where operators deal with other operators, all sorts of businesses deal with telcos, and there's a lot of partnerships involved. One of the great things about test call generators is you can test things even without necessarily needing to be engaged with the business, the operations, the systems that you're testing. If I wanted to test, if I was an MVNO and I wanted to test the operator that I'm working with, I could use test calls to do that. I don't even need their permission to do that. I just need to have the SIMs or the lines hooked up to do that. And then I can verify that compared to the data that I've got. So those are two really compelling cases to use test call generators for revenue assurance. And yet, it's not been as popular as it should be. So that's what I want to talk to you two guys today about, which is why hasn't it been as popular as it, as it might have been? What has held test code generators back from being used more widely in revenue assurance? Those are some of the benefits. I've marked, I've marked them out there. Can I turn that around and say to you, what is Seagross' experience of promoting the use of test call generators for revenue assurance when dealing with the skepticism? What's, what are the reasons why telcos don't use test code generators for revenue assurance in your experience? And perhaps let's start talking about how you turn that, that feeling that Impression those reasons around.
2: If I can pick that one up, uh, Eric, this is Paul. Um, your assessment of the need for active revenue assurance is fantastic. If you need a job in sales, we have one for you. Uh, but uh, I sum it up in two words: it's uh, external validation. Um, of course, you need to externally validate your billing system. You can't rely on it checking itself with uh, with no external reference. And the point you made, Eric, about MVNOs trusting their host network's billing system—if I were an MVNO, knowing how many errors we detect every single day in billing systems—then I would absolutely want some external uh, validation. Uh, you're also absolutely correct that there's not enough. There's not enough networks using external uh, validation, so active revenue assurance. We see different patterns all over the world, and Seagos is a global business with customers all over the world, and we have our our test call generators installed in virtually every country in the world. Um, So we do see different patterns, but if I looked back on just the meetings we had last year, we probably spoke between Stefan and I to 120-plus revenue assurance departments, and um, a disappointingly low number of those would use... Active test calls as part of their revenue mm-hmm. assurance process. Um, in preparation for this call, I and Stefan had a conversation, and, and we tried to uh, put a figure on it. And It's hard to say how many or what percentage of networks actually use active test call generation for RA. Uh, and I would guess, or we would guess, somewhere in the region of twenty to forty percent of the of the world's networks. Um, some of them use it in a very automated, very efficient manner. Um, Using managed services or their own internal departments, some of them use it in a very ad hoc, very manual way to do specific tests when a new product or a new promotion comes along. But still, that's only twenty or forty percent. So 80, 60 to eighty percent of the world's networks um, are either doing nothing. But what most of them do is rely on their their passive systems, looking at their their CDRs, looking at their internal systems, and. The only reason that they would do that is if really they don't understand the risks which they're still exposed to. Um, And that really comes down to, I'm sure, that the feet of the uh, active revenue assurance vendors, such as Seagoss and the others that you mentioned earlier, in that we haven't haven't successfully uh, explained those risks and had those risks understood by the CFOs and the RA directors uh, in the networks around the world to make them sit up and, and look at, well, can we afford just to rely on our, our passive systems, our big data systems? Um, and one of the things that I found, if, uh, the main reason, the, the main inertia, if you like, is that revenue assurance departments that, that I met last year um, have their internal processes and and these are these are big processes and people come in and join the team and join the department and they just get on with doing the processes that are already there and sometimes someone needs to stand back put their head above the parapet and, and have a look strategically about well are there any risks in us just carrying on doing what we've we've always been doing um and Stefan and mine's uh, Main remit uh, last year and certainly this year is to get on our bikes and get in our planes and sit in front of as many revenue assurance uh, directors that we can get in front of and explain to them the risks and the liabilities uh, and the the holes in their um, in their risk policies, which will inevitably result if they only rely on passive CDR uh, analysis and passive CDR profiling. So a mixture is the short answer to your question, Eric. Uh, some of it down to the uh, lack of promotion by active RA vendors such as CGOS and a lack of uh, understanding of some of the deficiencies um, or some of the weaknesses and limitations of a purely passive uh, revenue assurance process. I don't know if you'd like to add anything to that, Stefan.
3: Yeah, thanks Paul, thanks Paul. So I think it's a a great summary of of what we're talking about here also in my experience uh, talking to many of these networks around the world last year, um, we found out that, yeah, like you say, we have about 400 plus customers worldwide using our our test call generators for different purposes, Uh, but most often um, the RA side, the financial side, uh, they they are simply not not aware of this. So they're not aware that they have a very powerful uh, test call generator in place already. So it's like um, in the past 20 years, we always talk to, to quality and technical uh, contacts, uh, but now starting to talk to, to financial people like CFOs, uh, RA directors, and so on. Um, yeah, we, we still have to spread the message that um, there's an active approach out there, uh, which is not used at the moment. And uh, we have to really yeah, change their mindset that um, they have already a very powerful tool in, in, in place. And uh, why not simply use it also for revenue streams purposes? That's um, one one thing, and of course another thing also which came across last year was like um, many operators, they have RA departments with 20, 30 people or more, and they still do this kind of testing manual. Yeah, so so some of these people, if you talk to uh, low-level management, for example, or mid-management, they are afraid to to lose their their jobs actually because they do this kind of things manual on ad hoc basis, on, on, on requests, they just use their mobiles doing some manual tests, note down the, the, the call duration, the, the download size, and so on, and then they do some, some manual reconciliation. And it's quite hard to convince them that we can do it automatically. We can do it 24-7 with much more samples, and uh, you still need to be there because you have to fix the problems we find. So it's uh, also a, a big problem sometimes to convince them that we are not coming in uh, to, to reduce their, their headcount. We are coming in to really... Um, help them to to uh, make their, their lives easier
0: well it's a, it's an irony here isn't it that organized yeah. criminals can be better at automating than telecoms people <laughs> because organized criminals aud- automate the production of calls not for test purposes but for fraudulent purposes mm-hmm. all over the world with sim boxes and yet effectively it's the same kind of technology for making calls without necessarily having a human being involved and yet, bizarrely, we're talking about human beings actually being needed to make the calls, uh, and pretty much maybe the same or very similar department within the telco as the one that's tasked to get rid of the sim boxes. So, let, I think you've picked a really important point there, Stefan, that I want to explore. So, let's let's go into that point a little bit more. Sigos has sold test call generators for a long time, and you two guys are now pushing the revenue assurance side of this service, but perhaps in the history of Seagos, this hasn't been something you've explored or pushed so aggressively in the past. Other mm-hmm. vendors, uh, and forgive me as I name them, such as Roscom, have been more to the fore. Though poll you previously worked with, Roscom, so you can talk about them as well a little bit. So others have more packaged test call generators for revenue assurance, but the majority of the cost is the actual Generator, the hardware that produces the test call, mm-hmm. and it's relatively. Correct me if I'm wrong. Challenge me if you think I'm wrong here, but it's a relatively modest modification in the back end of the software to use these test call generators for things like billing verification as well. So, what is stopping, you know, telcos from using test call generators that they already own for doing revenue assurance too? And what can guys like Sigos, you know, you've already got, you know, a lot of test call generators around the world. What can you do to make it easier for telcos to use their test call generators for multiple purposes for doing not just the assurance of the services as they usually do, but the assurance of the revenues as well?
3: Okay. um, Yeah, I think there's, there's uh, one answer would be, for example, um, also last year, we talked to many, many people and, and networks and, um, they are all think, they they all think that um, the current tariff complexity, which is out there in the market, um, it's not easy to handle with an automated system, right? So they they think they have very complex tariffs, packages, bundles, and so on, and it's hard to convince them that yes, we can support this, we can automatically test this. So it's really um, if you talk to to uh, African networks or to Latam networks, they really have a very exotic uh, tariff structure with lots of different scenarios and different uh, bonuses and, and whatever. So it's um, it took us a long time last year to convince them and to show them, actually, uh, in lots of audits, that we actually can support all of their tariff um, structures. Even the, the most complex uh, tariff situation, um, we are able to, to cover this. And also, of course, it took us quite some time to develop a very powerful rating engine, which can handle all these uh, different uh, tariff features. So, it's um, yeah, it's it's like... I think two years ago, um, the networks thought, okay, we have a test code generator, we know this, uh, but we don't think you can automatically verify and reconcile um, our tariffs because, because they are simply too complex. Yeah, so now we changed this mindset a little bit. So now um, whenever we talked to them, we did some audits, uh, we could successfully demonstrate that we can support all of these this tariffs. And there is no limitation. Yeah? So whatever a, t- a rating engine or a billing engine can do um, live, we can also do with our own rating engine, and of course, it took us uh, quite some, some time to develop a kind of sophisticated rating engine, and it's always growing. Uh, so it's like um, I'm always saying, look, the, the benefit is from, from our end um, when uh, a new marketing department from I don't know, Singapore is launching a new tariff uh, feature, which is not known so far. Um, then, of course, we are eager to to uh, enhance our rating engine to to teach our rating engine that uh, we can support this automatically. And at the same time, um, this helps them customers in Latam and in Europe and USA and so on. So it's um, yeah, I think now this changed a little bit since last year. so now um, we convinced a lot of them that we can automatically do this verification. and um, yeah, so there there were lots of doubts in the last two years. And also, um, why SIGOS uh, didn't push this since 10 years? Um, I think, yeah, our main focus uh, was always quality of service. Yeah, so that's the history of SIGOS, the quality of service for, for domestic services, for roaming services, and so on. And it started more or less like 2008, 2009, when the first customers having a test call generator approached us, asking us, uh, yeah, you have a test call generator. Why can't you just provide us also a rating engine and some CDR comparison tools? And that's why. Uh, or how we started uh, in the past, to just as a, as a side project, uh, to develop some, some rating engine uh, software and do some, some CDR comparison. Uh, but we never pushed it too hard, because still our main focus was only quality of service. And um, yeah, this, this has changed now two years ago, where we have seen, um, yes, we have a very powerful test code generator, and our existing customer base uh, keeps on asking us about this, these features. And that's why we thought, okay, let's, let's focus on this and also uh, promote this approach, um, bundling test code generator with revenue assurance. That's, that's where we are right now.
0: That, thank you for that insight. That's mm-hmm. really interesting. I have mm-hmm. to admit that I find yes. what you're saying on behalf of what telcos say. saying, I don't disagree. I think Telcos do say what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I do find it very peculiar, some of these arguments. Let me make a couple of observations. Mm-hmm. Firstly, supposing you didn't buy test code generators, well, you still have to assure billing and rating. So it seems to me an odd thing to say to the test call generator supplier, we're going to put all the emphasis on you or else there won't be any assurance of of rating and billing. Now, I'm very glad to hear that you're doing rating and billing verification in connection to the tests you're doing, but that's not a USP for you. Rating and billing verification can be done independently of creating a test call. I could take an actual call that's been made, an actual CDR, and independently check the rate and the bill was correctly calculated. I don't need to have test data. So it's a strange thing to say. That's why I'm not buying a Can I call cut across that, Please, Harry. please.
2: Because um, that's a, there's a, a key thing there. And the point you made that you can take an actual CDR from an actual call and you can analyze it to check that it was uh, timed correctly, metered correctly, and rated correctly, that's what most networks do and they have their great big passive systems or their own internal systems uh, to do that. The thing is that how can any network do that unless it knows what the exact duration of the call was because it's got, a, it's, got its own independent external reference CDR, if you like, unless you, unless you control that call. If it was a normal customer's call, a normal subscriber's call, you only know what the network sees. Agreed so so you have you don't have the external comparison and but it, th- that's that's really the key and it's it's a job really for Stefan and myself to get out and have the discussions with the networks to to help them understand uh, the need for the, the active external verification so they've got an external reference to compare what their systems are saying and uh, there are huge differences huge differences when we when we start looking into the um the, the rated CDRs. So we see we see lots of issues on rating, we see lots of issues on non-generation of CDRs, especially in the roaming environment. Mm-hmm. And so waiting just for, or just looking at the network's CDRs and then analysing it and processing it, is, it obviously that's essential that a network does that, but it's never going to give you the, the full picture.
0: I, I, I absolutely agree with everything you've said there. And I think it's key here that this is about how you break down a problem. So... You know, one of the reasons to use test call generators, and I've actually used test call generators like this, one of the reasons you might want to use test call generators is you could test from the creation of a network event to the receipt of a bill whilst knowing nothing, nothing at all about the business that you're testing. You don't have to walk into their premises. You don't know how to know how their systems are set up. You, you need to know what their tariffs are published, You know what the published tariff and what the price is supposed to be. But because you made the event and then you receive it, the bill in the end, you can do that big, expansive reconciliation whilst having no other touch points with IT, with data. You don't have to take anything from it. You don't have to have anybody inside. And that means, <coughs> effectively, you could test a company that isn't your company, which is why it int- should be of interest to MVNOs. Or other and, people, other enterprises, and also customers.
2: Eric, absolutely. So uh, a regulator would be interested in exactly the same scenario. Absolutely. Uh, for
0: example. Absolutely. And, uh, so let's come back on. to that. But this is, but that the problem, but that technique is a big, expansive. Don't have to touch things. The reality of how most people do revenue assurance is that they are in the business and they're kind of chopping the business up into little units, and they're doing a reconciliation from here to here and here to here. They do a reconciliation from the switch to. Uh, mediation, they check the mediation to the rating, There's the rate applied correctly, there's the guiding, correcting, billing, so they're chopping it up into small units. So that's why I find it peculiar that two things that aren't really related are being linked to, which is that it's great that you're able to provide this big end-to-end service, but even if you weren't providing a big end-to-end service, there'd still be the problem of how you know the original record is correct, which only a technique like the technique that you're offering can solve, and a technique such as Was the rate correctly applied? Do you have the right tariff? This can be done different ways. We don't have to do it the same way. I think it's. I think there's value for certain kinds of customers in doing this all in one, and there are circumstances when you want to do it all in one. But this isn't the USP for test call generation for revenue assurance. And I will draw your attention to a little bit. You know, I'm going to spring a bit on you here. Um, Yeah. When I negotiated with Sigros way back when on a deal that didn't go through for T-Mobile. It was before you had the ability to do rating and billing as part of your product. And you very kindly introduced uh, me to another company, an Israeli company called CompWise, uh, run by a guy who's now a good friend of mine, David Lesham, who writes for Coms Risk. And CompWise, what they had was a rating and billing engine. And you had test Tesco generators. And so to satisfy T-Mobile's spec for what we wanted, you very intelligently said, well, we offer this bit, they offer that bit. You add the two bits together, and we've got the end to end. Makes perfect sense to me, but it's also very clear about who's doing what and breaking this down into which, who's testing, you know, what the tests do. And, and I think maybe sometimes, I think revenue assurance people, telecommerce people are a bit muddled as to what they're trying to do with the testing. And I don't think you guys can say that because, you know, you've got to go out and sell to these people. And I, I can afford to be rude to telecoms people. So I'm just going to say here, I think some telecoms people are a bit muddled. And unfortunately, that's probably leading a bit of difficulty for you when you speak to them because you have to deal with their muddled questions where they're kind of confusing different things, not focusing on the essentials. Now, that said, let me move on to the next point I want to make here, which is that that USP, that ability to verify the initial record, ensure that there's complete records being produced, ensure that the accuracy of the record is right, the duration, for example, is the correct duration of the actual event that took place. That USP, very powerful. However, networks don't tend to change that much over time. If I tested this one day and I tested it the next day and I tested it the third day, it's very very unlikely I'm going to find a lot of variation in the results from day one to day three. So there's a danger here that I set up a test pattern to do things very methodically. And heck, I get a lot of great results on day one because I never did this test before. But by day seven or eight, I'm really just repeating the same test over and over and I've got very diminishing returns on this. So this comes down to the cost model for how test code generators are implemented. How do you address that? How do you make it more cost effective for test call drainage to be used. So you don't have this kind of big surge of benefit when you first do some test calls, and then you've kind of got some system and you're just letting it tick over and over and over again. And really, it, it there's diminishing returns. So that's a hard question, but I've got to ask it, guys. Can I
2: take that one, Stefan? Of course, Paul. Okay. Um, thank you for that. It's a great question. It's the, it's the, it's the key to what we do. Um, Eric. So first of all, you're absolutely right. The the USP with active testing is that you're controlling the event so you know an event has happened, so you know that the network should generate a a record for that event, and you know the content of that event because it was controlled entirely by you. However, half of the issues that we find, and we do find lots of issues where CDRs aren't generated and they're metered incorrectly. Um, but probably 50%-ish, Stefan may correct me, 50%-ish of the issues that we find are actually on the bit which isn't a USP, Eric, for oh. active testing. It's on the, the rating and the application of the billing rules. Oh, and there's a whole there's a whole number of reasons for that. Uh, and to go mm-hmm. really, really quickly, the main reason is, or the two main reasons, massively complex and changing all the time uh, on a daily basis. Second reason, the systems which are often used to check That the billing rules and the rating are applied correctly are often fed by the systems, by the billing engine in the network. So the passive system may get a direct feed. So every time that someone updates a tariff in the billing engine, that same tariff gets updated in the the, the billing engine checking mechanism, Mm -hmm. for want of a better word. So uh, human error, sticky fingers, misunderstanding of business rules. In the billing engine, get replicated in the thing that's supposed to be testing the billing engine. So that's why actually active testing. It's not just the USP that it can detect when CDRs aren't generated. It can detect when there's metering issues. It's also an independent billing engine that we don't take a feed from the network. So there is there is that uh, there is that difference. But there's also there's also the intelligence in the calls that you make because it's not just Um, about generating a statistically valid number of test calls. So if a network has 10 million calls going through a day, you may need to generate 100,000 or a million test events to make it statistically valid. That's that's not the approach that we use. We're we're applying uh, quite a lot of intelligence and expertise, and it's one of the the hardest things for networks to do themselves. We can supply the hardware and we can supply the software but the expertise to use it and to live and breathe and, and love and 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 think about nothing else other than investigating tariff anomalies, that takes a particular kind of person and they're they're quite hard and to train and to retain and keep motivated. So generating that call set or designing that call set to test the risk points in a in a tariff, um that's that is something which which helps identify a lot of the issues that we uncover. So the answer to your question is if we test today and no one makes any changes to a switch, so there's unlikely to be any new errors found tomorrow in terms of CDR generation or metering issues, there will be, because not only do we test your switches, if you have 20 roaming partners that generate most of your roaming revenue, well, those switches need testing as well. And between your roaming partners and your own switches, there will be errors introduced on a monthly basis, that do need continual testing, but also the issues which your other systems could have picked up, but don't pick up, because they're not um, they're not targeting the issues and they're not looking and they're not working in the same way that an external validation that you get from active testing uh,
1: will identify those will identify those issues because it's not taking a feed
2: from a billing engine which might have had a, a business rule set incorrectly and we as Stefan mentioned earlier in some regions the, the tariffs that we see are so complicated and there are so many business rules and so many caveats the world over marketing department's job is to make it um, appear that the customers are getting a lot while not costing their their network an awful lot of money so the the, the caveats and the business rules are so complex that there's always, always going to be errors introduced. And you do need to be testing those as well, although I absolutely agree with you. It's not a USP for active testing. But I'd say, and again, I'll ask Stefan for his figure, I reckon 50% of all the issues we detect for our customers are not CDR generation or metering errors. What percentage would you put on it, Stefan?
3: I think more or less the same. So it's really like... uh... Most often we find really uh, rating, rating problems, uh, apart from the uh, metering issues and, and roaming, uh, lost TDRs and roaming and so on. So it's a, it's a quite fair figure, I would say. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And Paul, there one, yeah. Yeah, Paul and Stefan, let me pick up on something here. You know, uh, Paul, you mentioned roaming and the complexities of the, the rating and so forth. Um, we're moving into a period here with the European Union in 2017 where roaming is going to go away and you have to charge domestic rates. Um and that I understand is gonna cause you know quite a um uh, kind of a creative rating uh, game is gonna be happening here and all sorts of creative things have to happen for European operators to recover, you know, recover the revenues that they're gonna lose from roaming. And one of the things I heard is there's gonna be some elaborate chargebacks and um you know, you may have extra charges uh depending on what country you're coming from. And I'm just wondering if you're seeing that. Those type of issues, you know, related to roaming is going to particularly enhance the need for TCGs.
2: Yeah, that's really, really relevant, Dan. And a lot of the conferences and a lot of the meetings that I'm attending at the moment, that's, that's a, a key issue of discussion because it's already there. So Italy, for example, has a different international termination rate for calls originating inside the EU compared to calls outside of the EU. Um, and there are a number of other smaller European countries that have, have followed suit. And many others may may do the same. Um, and obviously that presents a, an extra layer of complexity, but it also now generates a margin and a motivation for the fraudsters as well. So we're seeing... EU refiling where calls which originate outside of the EU are passing through some grey routes and um, they're being changed to appear like they've originated inside the EU. And um, we're seeing the return of SIM boxes in Europe. And it's a while since we've seen that. Um, so it's, uh, it, it is a big change. And another side effect of the reducing revenues for operators from um, the European roaming is that you you may well see, as we've seen before, an increase in the costs of roaming and the charges of roaming applied to um, calls outside of the EU. So, again, there'll probably be an even more complex set of bans, which obviously all need testing and validating and verifying with each of the main roaming partners that each network uses,
1: Dan. Interesting.
0: I think I think there's... You know, this international example, I'm very glad we're discussing it here, because I think we can link it back to the cost and the effect, the efficiency of investing in test core generators. Because in an international context, it becomes a little bit clearer that maybe the telco doesn't want to own and run their own test core generators. Do they really want to have test call generators all around the world to test their own in partners? It makes more sense to outsource that kind of activity. So... Is this the future for test call generation for revenue assurance in general? Rather than the telco purchasing a number of test code generators and using them themselves. And maybe they're not very diligent with updating their test patterns. And maybe they're not, shall we say, very thoughtful sometimes about getting the best value from the product. And maybe it's a bit of a burden and a small little niche that's hard to manage to have one or two people who are managing these things for the company with not great oversight, maybe it's better to go to the people who supply the test call generators, have those people basically have a series of test call generators around the world, able to connect to whichever networks around the world, and as it were, hire those test call generators to do a certain number of tests on the network that you want tested for the telco that's in paying for those tests, and as it were, outsource the problem and get efficiencies of scale that way. How is Seagos's position on that particular possibility?
2: Can I pick that one up, Stefan? Yes,
0: please.
3: Yeah,
2: it's, uh, um, when, when you said, Eric, um, is it the future? We certainly hope so, because <laughs> SEGOS has already invested a, a, a significant amount of time and effort and funds in installing Test call generators in every country in the world, apart from the one or two where there trade embargoes. So, already we can provide a revenue, a managed revenue assurance service to a customer that doesn't have their own test call generator system, because we'll have test call generators inside their country to test their domestic revenue assurance, and we've got test call generators in all of their roaming partners' countries, so we can we can check their roaming revenue assurance as well. And as I mentioned earlier, it's not just having the um, the hardware and even the hardware and access to the software. It does require revenue assurance isn't plug and play. Uh, It does require a level of uh, expertise and um, passion, for want of a better word. And that's what we see telcos sometimes struggle with they can have all the tools. If they don't know how to use them properly, uh, they're not going to get the results. So we it's one of the, the reasons why Stefan was tasked to set up a, um, a, a distinct revenue assurance business unit within Seagos. So we have people who have that passion. We have already installed the probes around the world and we have the software to be able to use them. So we certainly hope it is the future, Eric.
0: That makes a lot of sense to me. That makes a lot of sense to me. Now, let me say now what I think is potentially the hard part of the obstacle to overcome with pitching a service like that, which is that it can be quite a complicated contractual relationship between the telco and you as the outsource supplier. And when it comes to, and, you know, if putting myself in the shoes of a telco person uh, for a moment, the immediate thought that comes to mind is, well, okay, what exactly am I paying for here? Am I paying for the number of calls that are made? Am I paying for the number of, Test code generators, where they're situated. Am I going to be charged for every time I change my rating plan? I don't want you to give me kind of commercially sensitive data here, but can you give me some kind of feeling for how the contract actually works? How is it structured? And perhaps put my mind at ease, because I think that's probably going to be one of the hardest things to do when dealing with the customers, when offering that kind of service.
3: Yeah, exactly, Arizona. That's why uh, we try to keep it as simple as as possible, right? So uh, we don't talk about a number of of tests per month, per day, and so on. Uh, We don't talk about um, this kind of detailed things. Uh, We we are bundling this uh, with saying, okay, we test all your important revenue streams, whether domestically or in roaming, and we make sure that we run as much tests as necessary to test all the risk points. So it can be that uh, for some locations, for some roaming partners, for some services, uh, we have to run... I don't know two hundred tests a month uh, for other scenarios. It's maybe one thousand or two thousand uh, events a month. So we just say, okay, uh, we take care about the complexity of of the work. So there's one one price, and this covers everything. Yeah, and depending on your complex or your tariff complexity, uh, if it's a very flat tariff, um, it might be enough to test maybe to run one thousand or two thousand samples um, a month. Uh, but if it's a very complex tariff, uh, don't worry. We make sure that we run 5,000 samples a month uh, just to, to test all the risk points. So actually, there's, there's no limitation in, uh, in, in, in test events as, as such. And of course, also, um, yeah, roaming partners. Yeah? So there's also no, no fixed fee per tested roaming partner. Uh, it's more like we ask, just give us your, your top roaming partners and let us know where your roaming revenue uh, is generated. Let's say 80% of your roaming revenue. And that's, that's our number. And sometimes it's only five or 10 countries. Sometimes it's 20 countries, Uh, it doesn't matter. So we just test all of them because like I said by Paul, we have our system worldwide. So um, if I talk to a customer in in the Caribbean uh, region or in APEC or in in Australia, um, we don't have to roll out anything. It's all already there. Yeah. So it's, uh, and that's still something um, we have to talk to telcos uh, because they sometimes think they have to invest in hardware. Yeah, and that's exactly what we are saying No, It's all there. So don't worry. It's our system. Just give us the SIMs, uh, the tariff rules, and we can start next week. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's a very simple, a simple price concept. Uh, it's yeah, and I think so far. I like, far, that.
0: I like yeah. that. I have to say to you, to so somebody who's dealt with hardware for test core generators, <laughs> yeah. the idea of somebody else <laughs> deals with the hardware is yeah. very appealing indeed because it's a pain. Uh, just you know where you're going to locate them, power sources, and the rest of it, and, wh- and why do I want them just for my network? You know, if I have a network, why why wouldn't I just want to rent them from somebody else who's running them and can use them across multiple networks? And of course, uh, just to bring you up on this point about numbers, number of tests, of course, uh, it was recently announced that Sigros uh, has uh, got a partnership deal with AfriWave in Ghana, and you're going to be producing you're going to be doing four hundred thousand tests a month. Across all Ghana, all Ghana's uh, telecoms operators. So, I'm I'm interested there to explore this kind of you know this thing about the numbers and how many tests mm-hmm. you do here because uh, Paul also mentioned this mm-hmm. earlier on. Um, and you know I'll I'll lay my cards on the table here. I've always been very outspoken about statistical validity of testing. And one option in in revenue assurance is, you know, I don't. I don't have to have as many people in the, in the revenue assurance team. I don't have to be seen to be doing lots of detailed examination. If I just do a heck of a lot of tests, I do a heck of a lot of tests, every possible permute, permutation up the wazoo and look at the results. But that, a heck of a lot of tests is hundreds of thousands of tests. So what's the barrier? What's stopping, what's stopping guys like me? Well, if I turn up and say to you, heck, I want hundreds of thousands of tests on my network. What's the big obstacle? is it just that you would need to have more units installed to do those tests or, or, or is there is there more to that or is it that you just don't think that you do you basically think i'm mad and that i shouldn't be asking for hundreds and thousands of tests even though that's exactly what i'd asked for would it be polite
2: if we said yes
0: that would be very polite yes because i am <laughs> mad so it's i get used to it
2: <laughs> no and and and, and eric I, I don't know how old you are um but it might be an age thing as well. If I can be absolutely rude and, and very rude, but go ahead that's so bold because <laughs> you're probably <laughs> younger than me. Um, however, it, it, it did there was an onus previously, especially in the UK. I remember Sigos does this all over the world in in every country, but in in the UK there was a need, and in other countries we still see the focus on how many tests will you um, will you do for us and we then sit down and have the discussion. Because you said two things. You know that you'll be doing a good job as a revenue assurance department if you run a heck of a lot of tests of every permutation. But there's two things there. There's the heck of a lot of tests and there's every permutation. And I agree totally with the every permutation. So if you run every permutation, that's, that's all of your risk points covered. But if your billing system is programmed incorrectly, and it doesn't treat one of those permutations correctly, then risk billing systems tend to be um, computers that will just uh, suffer from a fault and or a programming error, and they'll treat all of exactly the same permutations in exactly the same way. That makes an, an example. So yeah. if I give a, a real-life example, if we're depleting a bundle, and we deplete one bundle for one subscriber on one SIM, and the network doesn't deplete that, data bundle, for example, correctly, and it starts charging for data before all the data is used up, then th- there's an error in the billing system, and it's been configured incorrectly. But it will treat all of the other bundles Uh, on the network in the same way or there's a very good chance that it will and the billing department needs to understand why the billing system what's been programmed incorrectly what's gone wrong to enable the billing system to not treat that um, that data bundle correctly so absolutely 100% agree with looking at every single permutation all of the risk points all of the business rules all of the boundaries. That doesn't necessarily mean a lot of tests. Um, As as Stefan said earlier, we see a lot of um, flat rate or bucket tariffs now where you can cover all the risk points in a few hundred tests. However, you also need to cover all the risk points in the roaming scenario as well. So it may be a few hundred tests on each of your main roaming partners. And we see in other areas of the world, Hugely complex tariffs, which vary by the hour when you get hourly promotions in, in certain regions. Um, so you need an awful lot of, of tests to cover that. And one of the things we, we like to think that our offer provides for our RA customers is that it doesn't matter how many tests. We'll test the risks for you and whether it's 200 a month per tariff, or whether it was 10,000 a month per tariff. Uh, our system's got the capability and the capacity, so we never we never ask ourselves. It's not one of our considerations in terms of capacity. Um, and if if capacity did become an issue, then that's a great thing because it's being used. And the team that looks after our global Roma platform of, of probes will increase it. We have we have customers, for example, that uh, not just for revenue assurance purposes, but for quality assurance purposes as well, would perhaps execute a, thousand, uh, sorry, a million test events a day. So this is a, a very scalable system. So capacity doesn't, doesn't need to be an issue.
0: You make a great point there that, that I think is very key to this, which and also kind of le- leads back to why I say hundreds of thousands of tests to <laughs> make perfect sense to me, which is that companies like Sigos, it's not unusual for you to provide test code generators that do make huge numbers of tests in a short period of time. It's unusual, perhaps, for test coordinators to be used to do that many tests for the sake of revenue assurance. But I would say, well, heck, if you can do hundreds and thousands of tests for other fields, what's my major counter-argument for not doing that for revenue assurance? I can think of some benefits here. So you're absolutely correct. I'm not going to disagree with you on following all logical paths. You know, in testing, you want to test all the logical paths at least once. Absolutely agree with you. But there are other things you might want to do, too, when you're doing testing. So one of the big arguments in revenue assurance is always, people didn't tell us when something changed. People didn't keep us informed of what's going on. Well, you solve that problem quite a lot if you're doing a lot of tests all the time because you find when things change. Maybe by accident. Maybe, maybe nobody meant to change it. Maybe, maybe, made an unauthorized change. But you find it straight away because you're doing a lot of tests as opposed to relying upon a relatively small number of tests to pick it up. The other thing, the other great advantage of doing a lot of tests that looks more like the profile of your customer base is it gives you a sense of the value and priority of when things go wrong. Now, it's boring in a way to get 100,000 tests, backs, tests back, all with the same error. Because there's something wrong with the billing system. Okay? It's boring. But heck, you can just add up the value of all of those errors. And now I've got instant sizing of that problem. And the hundreds and thousands of errors from that type compared to the 10 errors of another type I found elsewhere, I don't need to spend a lot of time arguing about the value. I can just look at the numbers and do it. So I think there are some arguments here that for in favor of basically ramping up the testing. But we'll agree to disagree. I think, on that one. But let me just ask one more question that's related to that that I think is important for test-call generators to talk about, particularly in the mobile arena, but perhaps also in the fixed-line arena. And the question is this. Most of what revenue assurance people do, they tend to be focused on something that's occurring after the network has really played its part. You know, we mentioned rating, we're making These are kind of later on in the feed of data that these systems are involved. You know, whilst we kind of focused on things later on, it occurs to me that one of the obstacles to doing a lot of tests is you don't want to put a lot of load on your network. So what is it about, you know, is there a reason here to perhaps decouple putting load on the network, perhaps say your radio access network, from injecting data at a later stage or simulating calls in another way. And one of the ways that you know, I've previously talked to Sigros about is that you have, and I don't know if you still have this, a uh, test call generator that works by uh, utilizing the A interface to the MSC. And so it's not, necess- it's not there's nothing going on in the radio access network there because this is coming in at a later stage in the radio access network. So there's no load on the cell site But nevertheless, it's a call as far as the network's concerned, and I can just conduct a test just as I could have done in any other way, and it looks like a call, and I can check all the downstream data from that point forward. So is that something that we should be looking at more aggressively as a way to get rid of a bottleneck and therefore make it easier to increase the number of tests that can be performed?
3: Yeah, let, let me answer this, Eric. So, uh, yes. So, so again, Sigur uh, still provides all this kind of core technology um, interfaces. Yeah. So we started with S uh, seven interface, uh, GP interface for two G. Uh, continue to to support uh, IUPS, IUCS for for three uh, G. Also now having the S one. So um, we have core interfaces um, for all sorts of technologies out there, and of course we still promote this use case, uh, especially for for customers having their own system already, yeah? because um, it's really a very powerful approach uh, to just inject calls to the switch directly without having the impacts of the radio side. Um, th- the difference is that on our global robot platform, uh, we only have interfaces, right? So um, it depends if a customer doesn't have a system at all, um, and he doesn't want to, to invest in, in his own hardware, then okay, it's the interface. It's there. The capacity is there for, for at least, I don't know, 300,000 tests a month. Uh, But of course, if you talk to a network uh, having their own test code generator and probably they also have already some core interfaces, then that's a perfect use case for them or the promotion for us. Look, uh, we don't have to block uh, radio capacity. You don't have to invest in uh, additional radio sites. Uh, Just use or uh, let's attach one more um, core probe to your switches and that's just trigger tests uh, for that. So we still have customers or we have customers using this approach uh, because they're not interested in quality of service problems. They are just interested in the Switch generation of a call, call duration, mediation, billing. So there's no need to use radio. And that's, that's exactly the way how some customers use um, this tool and the rating engine uh, afterwards uh, without you know, using radio radio sites and radio interfaces. So there's like I said, there's a big benefit. Yeah? And um, I think, yeah, hopefully this, the, the customer base is growing using core interfaces revenue assurance. Uh, but it's already there. It's already there, and um, especially when you have your own system, uh, it's it's a very easy exercise to add additional mm-hmm. co interfaces there.
0: Fascinating. Do you know, I think partly as we discussed this, it occurs to me that mm-hmm. perhaps part of the problem with making or explaining the proposition to the customer is there are actually quite a number of permutations yeah, of how you do testing and what devices are used to testing and how those devices are set up, and perhaps that's the problem. You know, is that is That customers just want a solution to their problems, and actually you can offer quite a variety of different solutions, all using the same technique, the same active testing technique. But there's actually quite a lot of variety in how these things are set up, isn't there?
3: Exactly, exactly. And that's that's also, I mean, uh, thanks to our, let's say, strongest business unit, which is the uh, QS business unit here at Sigos. Um, they make always sure that we have the latest and greatest technology in place. Yeah? So for example, if, uh, if 5G is going to be launched in two years, or like it was with LTE uh, the last two years, um, we are already sitting in the labs with, with the big players in the USA and Europe, and we develop our technology before it's going live. Yeah? And, and thanks to this business unit, Revenue Assurance can always use this technology and just reuse it for Revenue Assurance purposes, which is a very powerful combination. Uh, of, of different uh, business units within SIGOS.
0: And of course, this is also a key area for you to differentiate yeah. with your competitors um, because some of the examples we've talked about in terms of how you use test code generation, we've, we've talked about duration, for example. But as we move towards 3G, 4G, 5G, really the proposition that's being offered to the end user of the telecommunications service isn't being charged the way the old services were. Voices declining in importance. It's still very important. But it's mm-hmm. declining in importance. Mm-hmm. So things like measuring the duration of something is less you know correlated to the revenue that you're generating from the customer. There are other factors that are driving the revenues that you're getting from the customer. So perhaps you want to comment a little bit here on getting ahead of the curve in combining, you know, this service aspect with the revenue <laughs> aspect and being able to bring them together and say, we're able to have a more sophisticated view here than as it were just measuring the duration, but we're looking at other things too. I mean, can you talk a little bit here about how Cygrass helps customers with that? So you're
3: especially talking about, uh, let's say, data consumption, right? Yeah, I mean, and remote, the fact uh, that
0: charging for data consumption is quite a different thing to yeah. charging for a voice call. And also maybe that that charging is going to become increasingly related on, say, a pay-per-view type basis rather than, um, you know, currently the flat charging model is increasingly common, but we might be looking towards a future pay-per-view type basis and the quality of service that the customer receives may also be connected to the tariff that the customer is paying.
3: Yeah, I think also here the answer is, again, um, that we are really um, ahead of of, uh, the competition, yeah, because uh, you can imagine right now, Uh, We don't only have um, interfaces, which are generic interfaces from from CI wireless, for example, or we don't only have uh, core interfaces. We also have real device uh, tests as well, so using real mobiles, using real um, handsets to do testing. Again, it was uh, developed for quality of service purposes, Uh, but also some customers are starting to ask us uh, to use real handsets uh, to do real data sessions um, and use this information for um, revenue assurance reconciliations. And um, there's a very interesting, um, let's say, audit we are right now doing in, in India. Um, it's, a, it's a pure 4G network, so pure LTE network. And um, they specifically requested to use real handsets mm-hmm. yeah, for insurance purposes. And that's, that's running right now live. And um, it's, yeah, because this really reflects the end user perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And um, with this kind of technology, uh, we are able to really measure and, and verify the consumption of the end user so independently from the, the switches the sgsns whatever because we can really see on the end user side mm. i have now consumed exactly 10 megabytes mm. not more not less yeah the network might argue okay i have sent you 11 megabytes because of retransmissions and some some bad uh, qs uh, problems but subscribers should not get charged for this mm. yeah? so um, i have just consumed 10, 10 megabytes and please don't charge me for 11 megabytes that's exactly mm. the 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 era where we are very strong in and not only like uh, data um, usage for browsing and so on, also like like uh, mobile TV, video streaming and so on. That's all already there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we really use these technologies uh, to test um, mobile TV, video streaming, um, all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And at the end, at the end, the rating engine uh, can handle all of this. Yeah? You can say, okay, let's do some data sessions, and uh, let's say some countries they have uh, Facebook zero, for example. So whenever you browse to your Facebook or you use your Facebook app, then um, you should not get charged anything. Mm. Yeah, so we even can do this kind of testing with real handsets, uh, with generic handsets or interfaces. Uh, so we do data sessions, downloads, browsing sessions. And whenever we do some, some uh, Facebook sessions, um, we can verify that this is uh, not being charged.
0: Fascinating. Do you know, I think we've talked about a few things and I want to connect together here. We talked about outsourcing. We've talked about... The customer experience and using the same handsets that the customer has. We've talked about the ability to do things on scale, and I mentioned the situation in Ghana where you're doing things on a national level. This leads us back to I think a point that Paul was talking about, just briefly mentioned earlier, but which I, you know, let's let's talk about that now, which is why don't governments, why don't regulators save everybody a lot of time and trouble by just going to a company like Siglos and getting you to test everything all at once? Seriously, why, why do we have to do things in the way that we currently do things where we expect telcos to test themselves and announce answer the government and all this kind of stuff? If you really wanted to protect consumers, wouldn't it make more sense to just outsource the whole thing to an independent party like yourselves? I've seen great work done on behalf of consumers using test call generators. I remember there was a project um, in 2008 That was done by some very uh, clever guys in Washington, D.C. on behalf of um, expat workers, mostly Spanish-speaking workers who worked in North America. And they were concerned, uh, there was various people who were concerned that these people were being exploited because they weren't getting the proper value from the prepaid calling cards they were using. So, great. So, they just... Got some prepaid calling cards. They used test call generators. They got the data. the cons- The customer was protected, protected in a very straightforward way, and the results are really hard to argue with. So why don't we just cut through? Or or, or tell me, are there governments doing that? You know, what, what's what's Sigurd's perspective on this? Do you speak to governments? Are there some governments prepared to do that, or is it just that governments just, I don't know, lack that proactive? You know, they're not active enough. What what is happening? Why isn't that proposition? picking up in the way that I expected it would do? Or is it? It may be in countries like Ghana.
2: We, um, uh, if I can pick that up, Stefan, so SEGOS does, and we are engaged with uh, a number of regulators, not really here in the West. In the West, you'll be pleased to know that actually the networks are as concerned about overbilling as they are about underbilling. We don't really have much interaction with regulators in Western Europe or over in, in the US, um, they leave it to the, the network. But the networks do have a, a genuine concern and are as focused on overbilling because of the negative impact on social media that it immediately has and the potential for churn, etc. But in other regions in the world where the regulators have um, a different approach and are interested in, perhaps in some examples, the foreign revenue that mobile telephone uh, and international calls can bring in so we, we we do speak to them and um it's not a quick and easy thing <laughs> i'm trying to put it uh, as as politically correctly as, as i can wading through treacle sometimes um and it's not a criticism of them because they have many many um issues themselves, they have to overcome uh, political issues. So Mm. there are a number of regulators looking at doing either um, covert testing, so testing themselves without any CDR input from the network, something you mentioned earlier, which Mm. is perfectly easy to do with a a set of test call generators that are are already installed. And there are other regulators uh, and governments we're speaking to who are looking at implementing national testing with uh, uh, one provider and the networks uh, are obliged and forced mm. effectively to provide the, the CDRs for comparison with the reference CDRs. Mm. So that is happening. I'd, I'd be misleading you if I said it was happening on a big scale, though, though Eric. I, I, it's, it's, it's quite small, and uh, certainly from a subscriber's point of view, I'd be a happier subscriber. If I knew that more regulators were doing that, exactly, i would be—I'd be, a, I'd be, I'd be a happier supplier as well if they were doing it with CEOs. But um, I actually but yeah, think it's a so win-win. I,
0: agree. I actually think it's a win-win. I don't really—I—I I, I hear what you're saying about the West, okay, and I won't argue about that. But what I will say is, even if I'm in the West and even if I'm concerned about this, wouldn't it still be cheaper for me to outsource this in collaboration with every other telco in my nation? than having to set up my own and do my own and have it, you know, it, it's just more efficient, surely. I mean, okay, we could argue about monopolies and whether, you know, monopolies always give the best results for a marketplace and all the rest of it. But putting that aside, economies of scale is what's key here. And surely it makes more sense for both the operators who are ultimately going to pay one way or another for the testing and also for the consumer for everyone to say, look, single scheme, single series of tests performed on a consistent basis for everybody. Here are the results. We can all rest assured that these results are right. Would that not make more sense? I mean, may- maybe I'm just, you know, kind of pontificating here and you in complete agreement because, of course, you wouldn't mind being the supplier of that uh, particular scheme. But I mean, I-, I can't think of any actual counter-argument to it. I mean, perhaps in your experience of dealing, is it just getting people to think about things that way that's the obstacle is there a real counter argument to doing that other than you know arguments about you know freedom in a marketplace and all the rest of it i actually don't think those arguments are very strong i have to say in this context i don't know if, i don't know, maybe i'm pressing you to comment on something that's a bit awkward <laughs> i wonder <laughs> i wonder if on. it's
2: just human nature um, and perhaps a little bit of naivety imagining that a government and a government is many departments, all with their own agendas, uh, competitive networks and consumers are all going to have the same agenda to a point where um, they'd agree on a, a single solution. Uh, as, you, as you mentioned, uh, Ghana, as an example, again, uh, the wonderful pieces you put in in ComsRisk highlight some of the, the internal strife that, that you see in Ghana, where it's the same government, but you have different departments in the government arguing over who has um, the right to do the testing? So, and you, you, yeah, so we can see what happens when someone does yeah. do exactly what you're suggesting there, the, the right thing in, in many ways, but it's not simple and straightforward because human sometimes, beings are
0: involved. Sometimes we can come together, things like um, network coverage testing, you know, drive around testing for networks, that can be done in kind of a very collaborative, common way in some places. And I'm thinking things like, you know, child online protection. Maybe because yeah. these are more politically sensitive and people you know, pay more attention. But it's, it's not impossible for people to work together. And it seems to me that accuracy of your bills is as good an area as any if you're going to do... And particularly if we're only talking about, say, low thousands of numbers of tests, why wouldn't I want this as a belt and braces? This is backup. wouldn't have to be very expensive, would it? But it'd be a heck of a way to confirm that everybody is fine and that, and to give some customers some additional reassurance there as well. I tell you what, I would would rather be in the telco where my customer phones up and complains and I say, well, you know, we've had this national testing thing. It's independent of us. It's put upon us by the regulator. And at least be able to say that to the customer than not be able to deal with that and perhaps deal with more complaints, and more queries as a result, which is going to cost me more in the end anyway. Hmm. But anyway, that's a, I'm giving you a I think you're absolutely now. right, Eric.
2: <laughs> and, and, and you would think that the regulators would be knocking on our door can
0: you do this testing for us? But okay. So that message to any regulators listening: Go knock on Sigos's door and ask them to do the testing. <laughs> you
1: know, there's another uh, angle to this too. And, you know, it would be nice to have um, uh, government people, you know, people at the higher ups, uh, you know, know something a little bit more technical. Um, not to get into the weeds of it, but in other words, to have that technical expertise. You know, somewhat resident in the regulator environment, and, and we're seeing that the problem uh, at the EU is the EU is uh, you know making these regulations, but they really have, don't have a great appreciation for the difficulty and the costs involved in in the regulations that they make. And so that would be a side benefit, in my view.
2: I think you're right. Dan. Again, I would agree, Dan, but um, as exactly as you said are the sort of people that are in government making the rules? Are they the people that are going to have that deep technical understanding from years of industry experience?
1: Yeah. Well, I, what I'm saying is someone's going to have to manage that. You you guys will be uh, you know, doing the outsourcing of the actual technical aspect of it, but you know, at least some smarter heads there. But let me get we to another to the issue. Argument. We
0: need to make the argument, don't we? <laughs> I mean, in the end, you can't have government leading this, but people like us need to lead this, which is why I brought it up. So there we go. So yeah. make sure me, everyone listens to the podcast that's the message yeah
1: let me let me interrupt here and um I had a thought as we're listening to the conversation about this term test called generators i mean uh the hardware you know you really when you say generator here's a guy who was in the Navy, and I was on a you know a couple of destroyers, and we had two engine rooms, and there were two electric generators down in those engine rooms right and so you know, you start thinking about hardware, and, and yet we're in a cloud world, right? The world is moving to cloud services. I really love the idea of doing uh, this test call generation, and maybe we ought to call it um, the, the call test service, right? The call test cloud. That really should be where we're going. Um, it makes all the sense in the world, and I see parallels to the area I studied last year, fraud management, where you really need to have a combination of the um, traditional software, fraud protection software, fraud management software, along with the test call generators, they work in tandem. But, boy, the skill sets that you need at the telco to find fraud, such as SIM card uh, bypass, is incredible. And so it's, it's becoming less efficient. And so I, I, I saw a definite trend towards the outsourcing of that function. And I think the same case is, is, is true with revenue assurance and billing verification we definitely need to have this cloud service in place.
2: Yeah, and the the concept behind our, our global Roma platform, where uh, and in fact, my my daughter gave me a great definition of the cloud, and she said, "Dad, does that just mean that the server is somewhere else?" And I said, "That's it. That's <laughs> that's, that's, that's all it means." Best uh, definition and, ever. Yeah, the server is somewhere else, and so our users. And log on to Global Roma via a GUI on their on their PC, so they don't need to get involved with any of the hardware. Then needs to be a physical test call generator logged on to the the, the radio signal of, of the network that they're testing somewhere in the world. But um, because that's already there, you can view it as the cloud. And we have a we have a, a cloud offering. You won't be surprised to know. And as as we said, as my daughter would say, that just means the servers somewhere else. <laughs>
0: It's a great point, though, isn't it? We can, we can, we can. Instead of thinking about the individual device that makes the calls, we should be thinking about the service, the nature of the service, the coverage of the service, what we're getting with the service. And I think, you know, hopefully, this has moved forward the debate a little bit and maybe changed some uh, listeners' point of view.
1: Well, we had a spirited discussion here, um, Paul and. Uh, and Stefan, you guys are really experts and appreciate the expertise. And Eric, my goodness, uh, you really um, <laughs> asked some fabulous questions. Um, and re- we really got into a deep discussion of this topic like I I expected, but um, I'm very pleased of how it turned out. So um, it's it's been fantastic to have you here. And we thank you very much, uh, Stefan and Paul. And um, great, great work.
0: Thanks for being on the show, guys.
1: Nice
3: Thank
1: love you, Dan. was Thank a Eric. Eric, I must say, this interview was really splendid. Uh, and I give Paul and Stefan a lot of credit for their honesty, their strong arguments, and the interesting perspective they gave us on what's going on in the marketplace. As for me, I think there's no question that the complexity of billing and roaming uh, requires more revenue assurance testing in the future. And hiring a firm like Seagoss to deliver test call generation as a service, that's going to be quite attractive in the years ahead, I think. What are your
0: thoughts? Well, I think you know the main thing for me is that, and I, I'm really grateful to Stefan and Paul, who did a fantastic job of talking about the service that they offer, uh, the nature of test call generators and the way that they work. But I think the thing that really stands out for me is that to gain traction in this marketplace, especially the revenue assurance marketplace for test call generation, there has to be a sharpening of the value for money proposition that's being put to customers it's a case of why test call generators as opposed to alternative methods of of identifying and addressing those leaks and so we've heard some good strong arguments today about some of the advantages with test call generators but i think what's going to be really interesting in the marketplace going forward is the extent to which the value proposition is sharpened and what i mean by that especially is that I like this idea perhaps going towards a managed service model, a, a model where you outsource the running of the equipment, the owning of the equipment to somebody else who's running on a collective scale for several operators and therefore gaining uh, economies of scale and then passing those those benefits back to the telco. I think if some momentum is gained in this area and more telcos start using test call generators that way, it becomes a more attractive proposition. It becomes a more cost-effective proposition. The value in return for the amount that they're spending to get the service improves over time. So this is about momentum. This is about how customers react to the proposition. And I think Sigros has done a very good job with, with putting the proposition out to the market. I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how the market reacts to that over time. It may not change overnight, but there could be a, a progressive change in the marketplace and this is as much about persuading each individual telco about reappraising how it does revenue assurance and the extent to which it hasn't, if it hasn't in the past, used test culture generators. So fascinating. We don't know what the outcome will be. Uh, I think we need to keep looking at the marketplace and keep
1: on monitoring. I'm afraid we've reached the end of episode 25 of the comms risk podcast. You can listen to this podcast and the 24 other episodes that came before by visiting commsrisk.com. Or search for Calm's Risk on the iTunes store, where you, sh- where you can subscribe to the podcast for free, so you'll never need to worry about missing a future episode. And after you've listened to a few interviews and debates there, I think you may want to consider visiting commsrisk.com on a regular basis. The site is updated daily with news and op-eds from contributors around the world. And so that's it for now. Thanks to our guests, Stefan and Paul. And to you, Eric, of course. I'm Dan Baker. Thanks for listening.